Uh, let me ask you a question here this morning. Are there any other children of the 70s or the 80s like me that grew up watching some awesome movies like Indiana Jones? Or how about one of my wife's favorite movies, The Goonies? Anybody remember the classic movies, uh, Chunk and the Truffle Shuffle? And the greatest line of any movie anywhere, hey, you guys. Or how about something a little bit more recent? How about the Pirates of the Caribbean? Any fans of the Pirates of the Caribbean? Not as many as the Goonies. What does that tell you? What does that tell you? What do those movies have in common aside from the fact that they all made a ton of money? They are all about finding buried treasure. There's something fascinating about the thought of finding priceless treasure that's been hidden in hard to reach places. The faded map with X marks the spot, the adventure of the hunt, the joy of discovery, and the potential of the found treasure to change your life. The prospect of finding buried treasure has caused many people to risk everything that they have to pursue it. And believe it or not, people are still finding buried treasure today. In 2007, off the coast of the Dominican Republic, one of, Captain's kids, one of Captain Kidd's ships was found. The 300-year-old ship was full of gold, silver, and jewels. Also in 2007, a shipwreck was found off the coast of Spain. It held 17 tons. Think of that. 17 tons of silver and gold coins worth about $500 million. And in 2009, 350 pounds of Roman coins were found on a farm in England worth at least $2 million. You know, the Bible also talks about buried treasure. Matthew chapter 13, if you have your Bible there, Matthew chapter 13, I want to read just one verse of Scripture. Matthew chapter 13, the first book of the New Testament, in the 44th verse, if you don't have your Bible or uh, have a smart device with the Bible app on it, we'll have it on the screens for you. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44 says this, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again, and in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Let me read that scripture one more time. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. What's the significance of burying treasure? What's the purpose of burying treasure? What sense does that make? In ancient times, before there were banks or vaults or safes, the best option that you had to protect something valuable was to bury it. Armies moved back and forth across lands and cities were taken over and over again. 
And each time the houses were searched by the soldiers for loot that they could use to pay their armies. So it wasn't the best idea to keep your money or anything of value laying around the house. People would then bury their treasures in their field. And of course then, you didn't tell anybody that you had your treasure buried in a field. You didn't go to your next door neighbor and say, uh, hey Jim, just wanna let you know I got a couple million buried out in the backyard. That wasn't wise because Jim would kill you and take your treasure. So what would inevitably happen in this era of history is as treasure and costly things are buried in the field, men would often be summoned into war, often die in battle, and the treasure is hidden in the field. Or someone would die of natural causes, and the secret of the buried treasure dies with them and is in the field. And you fast forward several years, somebody else is living in the house, and they're doing some work, and they discover treasure in a field. Or someone else is uh, just passing through this territory and they discover treasure hidden in the field. And it would happen so many times that rules were made governing whoever found the treasure. And today we still know the law that was used in biblical times concerning finding treasure. It's called finders keepers. Anybody ever heard that? That really was the, the, the law governing Bible times. Now, we added the second two words of that law ourselves, losers weepers. You won't read losers weepers anywhere in the Bible, I, I promise you, not even in the King James Version. Thus saith the Lord, losers weepers. You won't read that in the Bible. But that was the rule of the day. If you found the treasure, you could keep the treasure. And so the man in the parable that Jesus is sharing in Matthew 13 could have taken the treasure, but instead he buys the field. He was rising above the standard of the day, and he also wasn't going to take the chance of the treasure being stolen and someone watching him excavate this priceless treasure out of the field and then taking it from him. So he sells everything that he has and buys the field. I've heard people interpret this parable that Jesus is the hidden treasure that we stumble upon in the journey of our life and that we must be willing to sell all that we have and buy him so that we can have eternal life. And while it's true that the follower of Christ must be willing to give up all for the cause of Christ, that viewpoint misses entirely what Jesus is saying. The Bible tells us in verse number 36, just before Jesus shared this parable, verse 36 says, Jesus left the crowd and went with his disciples into the house. Jesus had been speaking and teaching the things of the kingdom with a large number of people, this large audience. And then he desires to speak with only his disciples that have been following him intimately for three years. And he invites them into a house. And I can see Jesus standing there waiting for all of them to come into the house sit down around this table 
And Jesus leans in and looks them one at a time deeply into the eye and says to them, let me tell you how much you matter to me. Let me tell you how significant you are. And let me tell you just how valuable. Let me tell you how far I will go to prove my love for you. Jesus is sharing in a very personal manner how loved, how treasured, and how valued these people are and to show them that he is willing to do whatever it takes to redeem them. I want you to know this morning that the treasure hidden in the field isn't Jesus, it's you. The treasure that is hidden and buried waiting to be discovered isn't Jesus, it's you and I. Jesus sharing these words is a declaration of the great value that God has for each and every person. Over and over throughout the Word of God, scriptures in the Bible show us God describing people as jewels. Here's just a couple of them. Isaiah chapter 62 verse 3 says, You will be a crown of splendor in the Lord's hand, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. Zechariah chapter 9 verse 16 says, The Lord their God will save his people on that day as a shepherd saves his flock, and they will sparkle in his hand like jewels in a crown. People like jewels in a crown. Malachi chapter 3 verse 17 says, On the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, they will be my treasured possession. Can we all say those two words this morning? Treasured possession. He says, you will be my treasured possession. Over and over, God's saying that you are priceless treasure to him. Let me say this this morning. I realize that as we sit here this morning, you may not feel like priceless treasure. I realize that there may be certain events and circumstances and emotions and thoughts that are happening in your life that do not say, I am priceless treasure, that you may not feel as though you are highly valued and greatly loved by anybody, let alone by God. That you, 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 the, the uh, reality of your life does not scream out, I am priceless treasure. And the world system that you and I live in does not present this to you. The, the world system that, that you and I live our life in every moment of every day does not present the truth to you that you are a priceless treasure to God. In fact, the culture of our day doesn't say you are treasure. The culture of our day says you are trash. The culture of our day, the system that we live in, says that people are of little to no value and can be easily tossed aside. How easily we toss husbands and wives to the side. How easily we toss lifelong friends to the side. 
How easily we cast relationships away as if we're walking down the road and we throw a cup in the trash can. For about the last year and a half, Malia and I have been in the foster and adoptive system. And it's blown my mind to see how easily parents can throw children to the side. This is the reality that we live in, that voices and circumstances and advertising and media doesn't reinforce this truth to you that you are priceless treasure. Rather, it reinforces Satan's lie that you are common trash. God wants somebody to know this morning that no matter what the circumstances of your life are telling you, no matter what the emotions that you are experiencing are telling you, no matter what the voices of other people in your life are screaming to you, you are not trash, you are treasure. You are priceless treasure to God. The media tells us that you are only valuable based on how well you perform. Can you cause someone's chair to turn around? Can you cause enough people to vote for you? Can you wow people? How many followers do you have on social media? How large is your platform? All of these different things. You are only valuable as long as you continue to make people feel good and perform good enough for them. And sadly, many people's viewpoint of God and Jesus is through that same lens of performance that God only values you as valuable. He only values you as treasure if you are a good boy and a good girl, and if you can perform as the picture of Christian perfection, then you are costly in the eyes of God. But if the moment that you stop being good enough, the moment you stop measuring up, the moment that life happens to you and you can't perform to Christian perfection as you think you should, then God casts you to the side as everybody else in our life does. And Jesus desperately wants somebody to know this morning that you are priceless treasure to him, not in the condition that you think you should be. You are priceless treasure to him just as you are right now. You are beyond a price tag with all of your faults, with all of your failings, with all of your doubt, with all of your insecurities, with all of your questions, with all of your trauma, with all of your baggage, with all of your everything, just as you are right now, you are priceless treasure to God. Jesus sees you as a priceless treasure. Other people may not see your value. Your first husband may not have seen your value. Your second wife may not have seen your value. Your mom and your dad may not have seen your value. Your children may not have seen your value. Your boss may not see your value. But I want you to know the God who sits high and looks low, he sees your value. He doesn't say you don't measure up. He doesn't say you're not 
not good enough. He doesn't say, keep trying. Maybe one of these days you'll get it. He says, as you are right now, you are like precious jewels in my eyes. You are beyond compare. You are beyond description. Not later on in life when you get it together. As you are right now, you are priceless treasure to me. Pastor Rich, if that's true, and I'm all this priceless treasure stuff, why don't I see it in myself? And why doesn't other people see it in me? The scripture, Matthew 13, does not say the kingdom of heaven is like an open treasure chest sitting on top of the soil. It says the kingdom is like treasure buried in a field. The reason why we don't see how valuable we are in the eyes of God is because we are treasure, but we are buried. The reason why we don't readily see, unfortunately, the treasure in other people is because the treasure is there, but it's buried. Jesus said, let me tell you what the kingdom of God is like. Let me tell you what this entire reality is like. It's like treasure that's buried. It's buried in a muddy, messy field. It's there, but if you're going to see it, you've got to dig a little bit. It's there, but it's covered up by some stuff. It's there. It's just not obvious to the naked eye. It's buried and it's covered up in the field. Now, I'm going to share something with you right now that I'm going to ask you to not get immediately offended as soon as I say it. And I know that in 2017, that's a big ask. Here it is. We are all, every single one of us, born in sin. Every single one of us are born into this world contaminated by sin. It doesn't have anything to do with you being good or bad or nice or naughty. Just throw that in because we're getting into Christmas season. It doesn't have anything to do with were you raised in church or were you raised in a bar. It doesn't have anything to do with that. It's the human condition. It's universal. We are all born in sin. When Malia and I got a phone call to come over here to the hospital to pick up our baby girl and take her home, we go into the NICU. It was the most heartbreaking and exciting moment in my life. On the one hand, I'm excited because we had 24 hours notice. Guess what? Your parents. And we had nothing to bring a newborn baby girl home to. On the one hand, we're just so ecstatic. And on the other hand, our hearts were ripped out because we're standing in the NICU and there's drug-addicted babies. And the cries and the screams and the sights were heartrending. And I watched as these children who are born into this condition, not by their own choice, 
but simply because of where they came from. You and I are born in sin, not because of our own choices, but because of where we came from. We came from Adam. We were contaminated by sin before we were conceived. Sin is the universal condition. Now, let me give you an illustration to demonstrate this. How many of you realize you don't have to teach a child how to sin? You don't have to send them off to sin camp so they can get their sin badge and learn how to sin. It just automatically happens. You give a two or three-year-old, you set some cookies down in front of them and you say, don't eat the cookie. You can have the cookie after dinner, but don't eat the cookie now. Repeat after me. Okay, mommy. Don't eat the cookie. Don't eat the cookie. (laughs) You walk out of the room. You come back three minutes later. There's no cookie there. You look at them. There's crumbs on their fingers, crumbs on their clothes, chocolate on their mouth. And then you ask the dumbest question that one human being has ever asked another one. Did you eat the cookie? And what do they do? They sin. I didn't eat the cookie, mama. You didn't have to teach that child how to lie. It come just as natural as breathing. We're all born into this world buried under sin and shame. It's the reality of every single one of us. Now I want you to see the scripture. There's something very there's something valuable there. There's something costly there, but it's hidden. Now, I know we like to pretend that we've got it all together and and we've got it all figured out and we're all strong and we're all capable and we ain't got no issues, but the truth is we all walked in here today buried under some stuff. We all got up, got ourselves ready, got in our vehicle, drove ourselves into church, walked in here, sat down in this auditorium, buried under some stuff. Some of us are buried under hurt and pain. Some of us are buried under years of abuse and suffering. Some of us are buried under secret addictions and dependencies. Some of us are buried under regret and shame and misery. Some of us are buried under perfectionism and the heavy weight of self-righteousness and trying to be good enough to earn God's love. Maybe, maybe you had a church experience sometime in your childhood or early in life and and you had some kind of response to the presence of God, but as you got older in life and, and you grew up, life happened and things happened that you didn't want to happen and now you are buried under the heavy weight of pains and regret and decisions. I'm so thankful this morning that that scripture didn't end by just saying the kingdom of heaven is like treasure buried in a field. But it goes on to say, when a man found it. When 
a man found it. This treasure is buried under a muddy, messy field. We don't know how long it's been there. We don't know the circumstances that caused it to be there. All we know is there's something precious and it's buried until one day somebody discovers it. When a man finds it. I've got good news for somebody this morning. You are not buried so deeply that Jesus can't find you. You are not so well hidden under all of the years of shame and sin and hurt and pain that Jesus can't find you. That treasure wasn't buried so far down that it couldn't be found. Nobody, 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 not your husband, not your wife, not your child, not your neighbor, not your coworker, not anybody is buried so far down that Jesus can't reach them. No one is so lost that Jesus can't find them. I'm so thankful this morning that he sees what other people can't see. When we only see the the muddy mess of the field, he sees the treasure that's buried under the field. When we only look in the mirror and we see our regret and we see our failures and we see our habits, he looks beyond the muddy mess of the field and he says, no, 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 no. Underneath all of that, there's something precious. Underneath all of that, there's something costly. Underneath all of that, there's priceless treasure and I see it I see it I'm thankful that he sees what others can't see he sees the treasure that's under the muck and the mire he sees the costly when all we see about ourselves is the common. He sees the treasure when all we see is the trash. And he says, underneath all that's been piled up on you, underneath all that you're buried under, there's something valuable there, something priceless. And the scripture says, When a man finds it, he sold all that he had and bought that field. What did it cost this man to redeem this treasure? What did it cost him to pull it out of the mud and the mess? What did it cost him to be able to claim this treasure as as his own? It wasn't something insignificant. It simply cost him everything. It cost him absolutely everything. It was the highest price. I want somebody to know this morning that in the eyes of God, you are a beloved treasure worth so much to Jesus that he paid the highest price to redeem you. He paid the highest price to pull you out of sin and death, to pull you out of the curse of the law. He paid the highest price to lift you up out of the muddy pit and to declare you as his found treasure. 
2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says, You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Paul said in Galatians 2, verse 20, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, so that I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Listen how, how beloved you are. Listen to how priceless you are. Jesus didn't delegate it to somebody else. Jesus didn't assign it to an angel. He didn't give it to Paul or Peter or Timothy. He said, I'm going to redeem you myself. I'm going to pay the highest price myself. You are so valuable to me. I can't let anybody else do it. I will give myself for you. Paid the highest price. Now, here's what I love. The Bible doesn't say that he sold all that he had and bought the treasure. It says he sold all that he had and bought the field. Bought the field. Now us, we would say, give me a map somewhere and let me see this. The treasure's here. I only want to buy this right here. Y'all can have everything else. I just want the treasure. Not Jesus. He said, I want the whole field. I want the field that's full of rocks and holes. I want the field that's muddy and nasty. I want the field that has parts of it that nothing's growing on it. I want the parts of the field that there ain't no beautiful shade trees on it. I want the part of the field that's been dug up and it's nasty. I want the part of the field that, you, that nobody ever wants to walk around. There's no, there's no pictures taken on that part of the field. I want the whole field. Can I tell somebody this morning, Jesus doesn't just want the treasure part of your life. He wants the whole field of your life. He doesn't just want the beautiful parts. He doesn't just want the Facebook parts of you that you want everybody to celebrate. He doesn't just want the nice, neat, pretty parts of you. He doesn't just want your class reunion parts of you. He wants the whole field. He said, let me get all the field of your life. Let me get the part of your life that you wish wasn't part of your life. Let me get the part of your life that you push back there and try and put out of your memory. Let me get the whole field. He wants this morning to buy the whole field of your life. Somebody give God some praise this morning. He said, let me have the whole field. You want me to just have your Sunday mornings, but I want your Friday nights. You want me to just have your prayer time, but I want your anger. I want your attitude. You want me to just have your faith, but I want your doubt. You want me to just use your strengths, but I want your weaknesses. 
You want me to just have your future, but I want your past. Give me all of it. Now here's a really important life application for some of us. This is also a picture of marriage because what we don't realize is we date the treasure but we marry the field. <laughs> Baby, you so wonderful. You are the wind in my sails. Couldn't live without you. You are a treasure to me. Three years later, you are ugly, messy field. <laughs> if you want the treasure, you got to buy the field. Jesus says, I know where the treasure's at. And you've been working so hard all your life to try and pull the treasure out of yourself. And you're tired and worn out and you can't do it. He says, how about we stop and have a change in plans? Instead of you trying to pull the treasure out of yourself, you just let me have the field. If you knew right where the treasure was at, you would have pulled it out of yourself a long time ago. So just let him have the field, full of hills and valleys and ups and downs, all kinds of stuff in the field. Let him have it. He'll reach his nail-scarred hands and he'll pull the treasure out. Amen. He knows right where it's at. He knows that it's underneath the trauma. He knows it's underneath the shame. He knows it's underneath the regret. He knows right where it's at. And with surgical precision, the word of God that is sharper than every two-edged sword will cut through all of that and pull out what's costly and priceless. Regardless of what others may think or what you may think, God knows your worth. Regardless of how you may feel about yourself, God says, you're priceless treasure. And many of us here today, he's been calling you for a while. He's been saying, come on, let me have the field. Let me have it. And he's calling you to himself again today. The question before you is this. Will you allow him to lift you up and pull you out? The real you. Will you allow him to pull you out of the muddy, messy field of sin and sorrow? and allow him to treasure you as the priceless jewel that you are in his eyes.